Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Hi, welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. This is Moshe Kasher. And I'm Natasha Legero. So, uh, guys, the results are in. I'm very excited. We have a stack of emails from former Waldorf students. I haven't read them. Natasha's thumbed through them. We're about to get the skinny on whether or not we should join a wood nymph cult. <laughs> Although I did read an article somebody sent me on Instagram that was uh, saying that they're like a straight-up bastion for anti-vax. Like, that's like it's rife with anti-vaxxers so that made me want to send her there well and if you should explain I, what a waldorf school oh, is we're hardcore anti-vaxxers <laughs> and like and interestingly not for the reasons a lot of these parents out here are a lot of parents are anti-vax because they want bodily autonomy they have some suspicion about the efficacy of vaccines and what's actually in them and that it could get your kids sick we believe in vaccine science we believe that vaccines actually prevent these illnesses, and that's the problem. I want a kid with mumps. That sounds so cute. Like I'll, I bring her like lemon curd. Well, she's like you know uh, convalescing from the mumps. You know, do kids still get chickenpox? Uh, I got chickenpox. Yeah, but I wonder if they get them. I think now. they still get chickenpox. Yeah, gross. Should we find out what people think about the Waldorf schools? I wanted you to explain what Waldorf was. Well, we did that in the last step, didn't we? But if someone's like tuning in, what do you, what is your pitch? If you're just tuning in now, Waldorf schools are a, is a, a system of education that is lightly um, based on the uh, on the philosophies of J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> And with a slight influence of um, J.K. Rowling. All the kids, like, it's like a create, it's more creative. And then they get to learn math and science in a creative way. And they get to make their, they have no lesson plan. And they get to make their own workbooks. Right. It's like, kind of, it's and like, they're not shown technology. It's like Wiccan influenced white supremacist education. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's definitely some hippie shit. Hardcore. But it keep, they keep tech away from kids. All the, all the school all the classrooms look like um, the kind of classrooms you'd find in Hobbiton. They're, they have uh, aesthetics that are one of their principles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beauty. They want things to be beautiful and outdoor and in nature. Right. And that was my main aesthetic when it came to dating. So I don't know why I wouldn't make it the main aesthetic when it comes to educating my child. Like for me, when people be like, what's your dream woman? I'd be like, I want a 10. I want a 10 with a thick butt. That's what I would say. Who went to Harvard? No, I don't care about that. I would say I want a I want a thick butt ten, and everything else is negotiable. She could be a hardcore Nazi, uh, born again Christian. Not that those things are comparable. Uh, she could anything. She could a have a butt th- is more important to you than anything else. Uh, no ten, then butt, then all the other. What other stuff is there? There, there's personality, I guess. There's um, integrity, uh, honesty, kindness, sense of humor, um, education, all that kind of stuff. I'm just like whatever. I mean, look at who I ended up with. I got myself a thick butt ten with the personality <laughs> of a pet rock. <laughs> pet rock ref for all you young listeners. Okay, you want to read? You want to read some of the fan mail? Yeah, I don't think you have the personality of a pet rock. You're, you're, I know. I'm obviously. I don't think you think that. I, you're overflowing with personality, but you do have a perfect thick butt, <laughs> and I'm thrilled with it. Thank you. It's one of your uh, truly one of your greatest qualities. Um. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. What are some of mine? Um, okay, let's read the emails. Here's the first one. <laughs> you that, have nice eyes. 
All right. They're, I mean, they're like a way above average. <laughs> you think I have above average eyes? I just mean they're like, you know, beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, guys, love the show so much. Just want to say I went to a Waldorf Steiner school in London. It was bizarre to say the least, almost cult-like. Whilst she really did go to school in London, whilst it was great having a different way of learning, I kid you not, a lot of the kids were illiterate at like 10 years old. <laughs> they're like, they also just... don't teach you how to read at, at, at any certain pace. They're like, we're just, oh, it's a different modality. <laughs> whilst, whilst we do love the written word, we also quite value keeping children in a state of perpetual illiteracy. <laughs> Until they're mid-teens. We say, we have a saying here at Waldorf, puberty co- with puberty cometh the books. <laughs> also, teachers seem scared of most parents or bully-like kids. And I was bullied way worse than I was bullied at public school in this me- weird mean girls situation. It is very funny to think of like a bunch of people with like, like all cotton, all organic cotton, like peasant smocks, like only playing with wooden, wooden toys and like a... To- a like some sort of like you know centaur that they whittled and but they're just like oh my god look at her peasant blouse oh my god she can't even knit she can't even knit her own peasant smock i mean i'm still saying for the apocalypse it seems like it'd be a good school i personally wouldn't send my kids there after attending it looks whimsical and amazing but really it's a little darker just wanted to let you know as you guys mentioned the bullying etc but unfortunately it happens there too I ended up leaving after the bullying. I think the school burned down shortly after. (laughs) (laughs) Did she have something to do with it? That's what happens when you have a schoolhouse made totally of wood. (laughs) Side note, midsummer vibes. There was a maypole and all. That is a little. You think that's cute? To have a maypole? I don't know. That's a little bit weird. I know you mean it feels very like, I don't know. Like horror film. Like midsummer. Yeah. Uh, that's a little much. All right, let's see what the next one says. Oh wait, uh, so this girl from uh, Oakland, she goes on oh, to shit. say she went to an Oakland Waldorf school. And then oh, that's the most gangster of all Waldorf schools. <laughs> they'll whittle, they'll whittle guns. So she says positives of attending a school like this were the endless classes, activities, art, and imaginative play that we got to participate in. One day we might be gardening, while the next we'd be producing an endlessly long play to torture our parents with. Negatives were I became a bit of a self-centered little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows if I would have been that way regardless, but college required I engage in a bit of deprogramming where I realized I was not in fact a fairy princess (laughs) around which the world revolved. That said, I think I'm better for the experience and happy I didn't have to suffer through the constraints of typical public school education. This is a nice line. I mean, I did still end up becoming a corporate shill, but at least (laughs) I've done so whimsically. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Plus, if you grow up in a city as I did, no amount of Waldorfing is going to keep you from seeing and doing some wild shit that will shape you into an interesting and complex person. Um, That's some Oakland shit right there. That's a woman that's taken human life, I can tell. I realize that my... Um, preoccupation with how I'm going to raise my child <clears throat> has to do with the fact that I think I can control it. Right. I'm trying to control it. We're both trying to do that. Like if we just make the right decision, she'll become the person that we hope she would be, which is probably uncontrollable. I just want to give her the mumps and that I can control. <laughs> All I got to do is, you know, go to like some sort of place where people have the mumps, rub a rag on a small child put it in a hermetically sealed jar, bring it back to the United States, rub it on my child's face, and I get the child of my dreams. 
Um, here's another one. Since you asked, here's my advice. Don't send your kid to Waldorf school. I attended one in Germany from first through eighth grade, and while it admittedly had some positive aspects, I cannot recommend it. In many ways, it is like a cult with the school setting very intrusive rules on how you lead your life. There are rules related to media, no TV. I'm, I'm into that. Food, organic only, ideally detimer. What's that? I don't know. No soccer for some weird reason. They won't let him play soccer. <laughs> that is so specific. That's a problem I had with it. I, I think I might have mentioned this on the last episode. I just hate doing things. I don't understand why I'm doing them. I don't. I don't like things like that. I'm just like, oh, well, we all do this. I guess we just do this. That's why I, st- I don't like standing up for the the pledge of allegiance or the national anthem. I'm like, why am I standing up for this song? Well, it's so obvious that you should be like taking some things of a philosophy and something rejecting some things. Why would you 100% believe all of the things in some philosophy? Well, that's being religious. That's being in a religion, right? Right. Clothing, no artificial fibers, etc., etc. And since nobody can or wants to follow these rules, it creates a culture of hypocrisy where everyone pretends to be a good Waldorf family while secretly watching TV and eating refined sugar and <laughs> eating detimer-free detimer snacks. Plus, many teachers are not properly qualified. And finally, at least 30 years ago, the curriculum was unbelievably racist. Oh, don't worry, buddy. <laughs> We've got some questions about the current curriculum as well. By the way, we bought this book when we went on the Waldorf trip. We went to this like fairy, fairy fest. And like I said, we were looking through all these. Um, they have a, like a bookstore. And it was re- at first blush. When you first look, you're like, wow, this is really beautiful. Like it's all these old school books and stuff. And the further into it you look, you realize like it is all whiteness stories. Like, And I don't mean like I'm not like a particularly like per- politically correct. Like I don't want to see stories about white well, it's people. It's like Norse. It was like Norse, like the, the Dutch girl. I think I said that. But, there were, but we did buy her a couple books, right? Oh, and one and, of the books is about how uh, the child. Oh, sorry. No, please. Marries her bear. <laughs> well, well, and like she's like, story. I wish you could fall in love. Oh, you do fall in love with bears. It's like I this, wish, yeah. this story where she's like, Daddy, tell me the story of the bears again. And he's like, well, many people know that the bears used to live among us. And she's like, yes, Daddy. And he's like, but what not many people know is that they used to engage in illicit love affairs where the bear <laughs> would lie down with the lady. And she's like, I want to She's basically like, I want to fuck a bear. And her dad's <laughs> like, oh, there's not a lot of bears around that fuck humans anymore, little darling. It's not what it said. No, I know. I'm doing like a sort of comedy bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking but what I'm was there. But I'm sticking up for it in a way because I think that like worshiping nature is very positive. Worshiping nature? Then you should have the maypole. So 30 years ago, the curriculum was unbelievably racist. They were te- essentially teaching race theory into the 20s. Uh, plus, maybe they've cleaned up their act on that front, but I don't know. I could keep going. I'd be happy to tell you more about my experience or answer your questions on this since I feel pretty passionately. And the silver lining is I still turned out just fine. In my own biased opinion. And there's a picture of him here. Whoa. He's wearing a suit of armor with his cock hanging out. I don't know. And Oh, whoa. Here's another picture. He's fucking a bear. He's actually making love to a bear. <laughs> okay. I'll read one. Um, your segment on the Waldorf school was hilarious. Okay. We know that. Um, I've been asked this You sound quest- like a self-centered little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know the school attracts a lot of weirdos. I think my parents were a little more normal. We're all vaccinated, didn't exclusively wear linen tunics, and they also rolled their eyes at the Eurythmy class. So they had their own special dance. <laughs> yeah, they have a very specific dance called Eurythmy that they all have to do. But not, and not everybody knows this. That's actually 
all of the people from the Eurythmics, Annie Lennox included, were Waldorf students. That's true. And hardcore racists. Annie Lennox is a hardcore racist. Please don't sue us. That was just a joke. Um, I think it feels much more obvious because of how small the school is, but they also appreciated that because when they felt there was a problem, it was usually easy to address. What is he saying exactly? You're missing the hottest line in this whole email, dude. What? It sounds like you guys went to the winter fair. Did you meet a middle-aged man that calls himself the pocket gnome? Okay, <laughs> Natasha reads through these emails. I'm more of a like read the whole email person. Natasha skims through to get to the part she wants. And the fact that you skipped over the line where she asks if we, us if we met a man named the pocket gnome. I don't think we did meet the pocket gnome. Did you meet a pocket gnome? I saw a man who looked old, who would look like he had been there a lot. You like, saw a man who looked like he would have the nickname Pocket Gnome? Yes. He kept walking up <laughs> and down be, this one path. It's gotta be him. He was in white and he was like like talking really crazy to the kids. Like how? Do an impression. Hello. Like, I, or, I don't know. He had, do, do more. I don't remember. Hello. It. That's your impression? <laughs> I hello. don't remember. That is crazy. He would say hello? <laughs> he was just like, hello, little girl. Like it was not anything I'm specific. I'm the Pocket Gnome. I think like I that. saw him. That's all Hello, I'm, I'm the Pocket Gnome. I'm just saying I saw I've him. I've been a virgin for 70 years, but luckily I've got a pocket pussy as well. I know. Uh, okay, should we read another one? Well, Oops. let me just say what this this person is saying. He said, I've been asked the question many times before, should I send my kid to Waldorf school? Yes, especially in grades kindergarten through fifth, but probably only until eighth grade. The students that continued having the most success in high school, university, and their careers had two similarities. Parents that spent a lot of energy on the child's education outside of school. For instance, my parents made my brother take college physics classes online while in high school and attended very academically demanding high high school. So what the idea here is that at 10, you learn to read, and by the time you're 13, you're taking physics classes? No, this person is saying that you, should take, you shouldn't let your kids go to a Waldorf high school because kids who are, if you want someone really successful, mm. kids who are the most successful go to very academically demanding high schools, which Waldorf is not. Okay, here's a long one. That's the point. Let's see what they, let's see what they got. I hope this is entertaining. Uh, listen to your latest podcast episode. Wanted to tell you my experience. I went all my life to a Waldorf public uh, pr- Waldorf school. I'm now 34, from kindergarten to high school. So this is a real lifer. This is a, a master eurythmist. <laughs> <laughs> I googled in I, I, like eurythmy, to, and there's like kids doing it on YouTube. Uh, so it's like it is. It's very. It's 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 actually kind of beautiful. It's just modern dance. Right, but it's specific it's modern weird. dance. I mean, I'd be much more comfortable if the class was called modern dance. I prefer to look at it than ballet. Really? You like your rhythm better than ballet? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> no, not. Ballet, one, one of the classic dance forms of history. <laughs> You'd prefer to watch a Eurythmy performance? I'm from Chile. So, uh, oh, she said, here's a bit of trivia. The name comes from the Waldorf Astoria Tobacco Company. Rudolf Steiner created a school system for the children of the employees of the company. I did not know that. So the same people that make your favorite hotels make uh, make Eurythmy. I'm from Chile, so Waldorf schools in Chile surely are different than in the USA. Anyway, wow, it's kind of cool people to listen to the, this podcast in Chile. Shout out to Chile. What's up? We love you, Chile. Yeah, I think things are rough right there right now. They're having like a civil war. Hope that gets better. That's all I know about Chile. I know, wait, what else do I know? They're surfing there. And uh, do you guys have Patagonia or is that Argentina? And then you, then you had a, a rough situation with a dictator. Okay. Well, Chile, we're thinking of you. Uh, thinking of you right now. Okay. Oh, so 
It was still very much like how you described it, almost in a cult-like way. I never experienced another school system, so I don't know the difference and how that affected my life. But overall, it was a good experience. I think it's a nice place for small children. I remember the kindergarten and first grades as cozy, friendly, home-like environments. We would play with this wooden shapes, these wooden shapes, almost not toys. I don't know what she means by that. Silky, woolly fairies, chalk on a blackboard story time, bread baking mornings, springs collecting I flowers go there. to make arts and crafts. It's like being I a loved hobbit. It. This definitely sounds good. I'm surprised they let the Chileans in. Wait, are Chileans white? That would be crazy if the if the Waldorf Astoria Steiner Foundation found out that in, I think Chileans are white. But if they were like, uh oh, we found there's 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 Latinos involved. Get to South America. We've got to put a stop to this. Um, I think we should send her to kindergarten there. About the technologies, uh, it was the early 90s, so it was banned, but then it was easier to ban it. There was a TV in my parents' bedroom, but we couldn't watch it, and we, but we did sometimes sneak in and watch anyways. My parents were not so dogmatic about it, nor my teacher, but I'm happy I wasn't so exposed to TVs growing up. Now as an adult, I can see the flaws and downsides of that system. It is, as you say, very Europe- Europe-centrist, very white. I barely know anything about the history of Chile... Hey, you and me both, sister. But I know tons of Greek mythology. That's really weird and interesting. That's cool. Cool? I mean, it's cool to know about Greek mythology. But she doesn't know about her own that country. Sucks. She's like, what? what is Chile? Did we invent the cowboy snack? Concarne. Also, now I see it like a medieval Germanic cult. Good maybe for Germans in the Middle Ages, but for us now, well, I would say no, because the Germanic cult in the Middle Ages led to some uh, kind of ooky stuff a little bit later on. Don't know if you know about this. Actually, actually, it's the Holocaust, and some of those Nazis maybe escaped to Chile. And if you knew a little bit more about the history of your country, you might know that. I wasn't saying that she should know about Greek mythology before the history of her country. I'm just saying it's kind of cool to know about that. I don't know anyone who knows about that. I read Greek mythology growing up. It was pretty racy. Did you not read it? Mm, I read like the plays. Zeus would come down and he would fuck somebody as a swan. Oh shit, that's what it's all about. That's the bear <gasps> thing. They're just this whole thing is a cult to have animals, <laughs> god animals come down and fuck our kids. Oh I don't think we should god. send our kid there. What is that? Is that like is that like Wiccan? Witchy? It's pa- I guess pagan? it's original paganism, like the real meaning so of paganism. So paganism is fucking animals. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think we have our our episode title. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, paganism has become a blanket term for all kind of non-deistic, uh, specifically monotheistic religions. So like pagans nowadays, like a neo-pagan is more of a Waldorfian hippie, like running around in the woods, yelling at the full moon, doing ayahuasca or something. But I think the original meaning of paganism, it was, they were talking about the people, the original people, the people that believed in the Greek gods, you know, they were like heathens kind of, Mm. but I could be wrong about that. I might be wrong about that i'm not sure i do have a degree in religion so i should know that was quite a connection you made though the thing is in chile in that time there were not many more options public schools were very bad and they prepare you for being a slave of the machine at least in the alternative school system we were encouraged to be creative and wholesome human beings i do like that i studied painting i now live in the czech republic with my czech husband oh so we don't have listeners in chile god damn it <laughs> it's just a bunch of fucking checks you think i give a fuck about some czech Fucking sitting around looking at classical music and fucking <laughs> listening to... Who's Czech? Don't they have classical music there in Prague? Fuck Prague. I heard Prague's the ugliest city in Europe. No, I'm kidding. I heard it's really nice. I uh, used to work for the National Museum of Natural History as a taxidermy restorer. That sounds like some Waldorf shit. I've had an interesting life, I think, and I'm happy with who I am. But is it my character or my upbringing? That's the second time a person has asked that question. 
now that's an interesting idea that Waldorf fills you with this dogma about being creative and a wholesome person and a fairy type that by the time you become an adult and you become like a, a happy person or think you have a good life, you're left with this question, why am I like this? I kind of relate to that, not from Waldorf, but from AA. But what do you mean, why am I like this? You don't know any different. But this is the second person who emailed us who's like going, I think I'm an interesting creative person, but I can't tell if it's because I was born interesting or because I was put through this Waldorf oh, training. Oh, so it's like they, they feel like they were uh, mass produced or something. Or that, that perhaps the magic of Waldorf happened or perhaps they were just always going to be cool. The thing I would mostly tell you is that maybe Waldorf is good for the first years of education, but maybe for the last years it is better to be in a place more connected to reality that can prepare you for the awful world we live in. <laughs> That's got to be a rude awakening, though. It's like, it's like right, first... you're baking bread and polishing your toys. and it's like, like, welcome to high school. You don't we're know who t- Elmo is. We're learning about totalitarianism and Pinochet. So fucking get with it. Welcome to the history of Chile. They wiped out all the natives. Uh, honestly when I have kids I would like to put them in a public school here in the Czech Republic they're still very good and I want to support that system I hope this was not too boringly long and something that was helpful thanks for what you do I really appreciate your podcast and comedy and as always I agree more with Natasha Uh, you can't take seriously anything that woman said that was a fucking ridiculous email from start to finish everything she had to say was fucking garbage and not to be regarded in any way absolute trash here's the last one Okay, I'll read it. I don't have much to say about Waldorf schools. Okay, well, thanks for emailing. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend that loves it and drives her kids an hour away to attend, and she's only a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) I went to to a back-to-basics, no-tech school for my elementary years. Uh, Well, then I did learn a love of reading. I did not get any practice with computers. I am still very slow and generally computer illiterate. I had to work really hard to catch up in high school, blah 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 um she says also a couple of times on the podcast natasha's wondered about the age demographic of the podcast's listeners and it made me think about erickson's stage of adulthood the developmental crisis of intimacy versus isolation is especially in effect during a person's 20s and 30s so it's natural that a relation a relationship pod would skew younger well okay you sound smart (laughs) but here's the good part i love the podcast i can't wait to see you guys when you come to phoenix and i bought third love and away with the honeymoon promos thanks if you're listening away and third love because we've gotten some very sternly written emails from away and third love saying uh, you know some of our reads were a little bit off no they didn't they haven't said anything we haven't really heard from them but oh first of all it's working guys third love away and all other advertisers listening and i know you're listening billabong ARB bumpers, <laughs> almond surfboards. This fucking worked. In your dreams. I got Russia. an Instagram comment recently from a lady that was like, love the podcast, but could you just get through the reads quicker and just read the thing? I'm like, first of all, lady, we don't we have a we have to do a certain length of ad. That's part of this. Second of all, I'm not some lifeless cog that's gonna read copy written by an intern at Third Love. I'm trying to make this fun for me. And if you don't like the ad reads, then maybe try a form of entertainment that isn't free. You could pay for a Hulu Plus subscription and not get the ads. Or you can get the free subscription and deal with the fucking ads! Mosh, that is like way too loud for a podcast. I thought it was kind of a fun, a fun area to go. I used to have a podcast where I would eat dinner. <laughs> and everyone would complain. So I feel like people you would... you like chewing? <laughs> yeah, I'd make lasagna. No, but I was thinking that when you yell like that, I bet you that's not someone's favorite thing. 
<laughs> Neil used to do that on the Champs. I used to do a podcast called The Champs with Neil Brennan. He used to come to the, <laughs> the podcast tapings and be eating like a grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> into the mic. <laughs> How about we take a break? How about we stop down? Anyway, I don't know. It's funny that all of the... So here's the information we have about Waldorf. It is kind of a cult. It definitely is weird. People suggest that you don't send your kids there the whole time, including people that went to that schooling system the entire time. And... uh, and I think it'd be really positive for them to feel, even for a year, that cozy bread baking you know nature polishing my toys no technology playing with friends maybe a maypole or two i wouldn't mind a maypole maybe a mump or two just <laughs> just one mump they don't she doesn't have to have i the, mean that's an issue she doesn't have to have the mumps could she just have a mump <laughs> all right let's take a call okay Okay, we're going to call a person named Rain in New York. Hello. Hi, can I speak with Rain? Hi, speaking. Hi, Rain. Oh, you don't like that joke, Rain. I can tell you've heard it before, huh? <laughs> uh, she's kind of like okay. She's kind of like making you feel like you bombed. Bombed. Yep, not Rain not a fan. No. Hi, Rain. Hi, it's so great to talk to you. Oh, same here. I love your show. Love, love, love it. We weren't sure because your affect at the beginning of the call was a little like you were a little suspect of us. (laughs) So wait, so Rain, what's going on? So it's kind of messed. It's really messed up. Um, I've been divorced for two years and I was married before that. But that, almost everybody that gets divorced was married before that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's strange. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I I never dated because my marriage was arranged. Are you are you Jewish? Yeah, I grew up Hasidic. What sect? Um, Rain. What sect? I grew up in New Square. You, no, shut up. No, I swear. You know, I, I have family in Square. Maybe you guys are related. Could be. You, you do? You might be my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in well, New Square? Yeah. They arrange marriages there? Wait, Rain, just let me, will you tell? How'd that, you get such a cool name? Is your, yeah, did you change your name? Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, is it a fake name or do you not, or do you go by Rain in the in, in life now? No, no, I go by, I go by Rain. Uh, will you tell Natasha about Square? Sure. Um, where do you want me to start? Well, tell her. Tell her she'll really like the part about driving. Um, so, women are not allowed to drive <laughs> at all. What? I swear to God. This is um, in New York. And, this is in upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. men. I mean, not everyone does this, but most people like are not like most men don't drive before they get married. And then after they get married, like they have to have a reason why they, you know, why they want to drive. And like, again, like, I don't know if everyone does this, but most people like would go and ask the rebel, like for his blessings, like to go get a license and, you know, get a car and drive. Rain, when I was a little boy, my father took me to the, to Square. Like I said, I really have, I can't believe you're not more gobsmacked by the fact that I 
of your most obscure sect of Hasidic Judaism am actually a, a member. I have family in Square. And you just seemed like that. You're like, oh, okay, anyway, I want to get to my dating question. But, um, but my father took me to get a, a blessing from the Rebbe. So I have been blessed by the Square Rebbe. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> You're not easily impressed, huh, right? <laughs> Wait, let, all right. So I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a very backwards community. Well, okay. So basically, Grain, we're going to get so, to your question. Yeah, I mean, I always feel like I always feel like I have to like when you know, kind of stick up for it because it's it's a it's a beautiful community. I was very happy when I was there when I wanted to be there, um, and there are you know all those messed up things, but. There are also, you know, it's 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 not all, you know. I kind of always feel like I have to like put in this disclaimer that it's not like this monstrous place where people are miserable because a lot of people are not miserable. Fair enough. I I actually really relate to that, Rain. Like when I sounds I, nice to live in a village where there's Shabbat and it's you walk everywhere. Hundred percent a village, and basically, like you know, a lot a lot of um. Sec- and correct me, you know, cover more about- your hair, not be able to <laughs> not be look able at to drive. men in the eye, and <laughs> not have your real hair. Um, a lot of correct me if I'm when I get this wrong, Rain. But a lot of like Hasidic sects of Hasidic Judaism kind of live in the society, even if they're a bit insular, they still live in the society around. They live in the city square. Instead of doing that, they basically like bought a village in upstate New York, and they all live in square. And here's the really interesting thing about New Square. One hundred percent of the citizens of New Square voted for Hillary Clinton for Senate. All of them, because the basically the Rebbe was like, "We're voting for Hillary Clinton right. for Senate," probably because Hillary Clinton was like, "I'll give Square some." But that's also that becomes cult. Yeah, it's, it's when there's one person dictating things. Well, that's Hasidic that's Judaism. Good. Okay, so Rain, so you used to be? Are you still religious, or are you not religious at all anymore? No, I'm not. Got it. Okay, so so your first husband was. Squarian, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was into Squarian pride. And he was a hardcore. He scary. was from the uh, Square se- sect. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't kind, kind yeah, I don't okay. want right. to talk about Great. him. Great, let's but... not talk about him. So, what's your question? So, my question is, I, I guess, like, I have a lot of questions, but my first question, I guess, I would have to start is like, I don't know how to date. I. Like, how do I know, like, the, the like if someone says they want to, like, go out for coffee, like, does that mean they want to go out with me? Or, like, you know, just stuff like that. You can't and read then, the, because you're an arranged, exactly. in an arranged marriage, you, you don't really, you can't really read that stuff that you might have learned when you were, like, 14, 15. 16. Right, she wasn't just in an arranged marriage. She was living exactly. in, she was living in Poland in the 1860s right, right. for <laughs> most of her life, and now is living in. It's like in, Waldorf school. Yeah, it's like Waldorf school, but less in a Norse mythology. Yeah, there's there's like this language that's like more than just the words, right? It's just kind of like this, like just the things people say and the things they don't say and, and you know, that I, I just don't know. And then the same is like, if I'm interested in someone, like, I don't know what to say to them. Like, hey, like, I would like to get to know you more. You know, I don't know how to do that. I think I, I kind of know some of this. Go ahead. Well, I don't know it, but I do think that like everyone's sort of non-committal. You know, I think that's like a thing that you know, no one knows what they want until they meet up. So I think in in a way you just kind of have to throw yourself into stuff and not really know what it's all about at first. Yeah, I think that's smart. And I also think like um 
you're in a unique position and probably like honesty in your position would be helpful. Telling people that you're interested in, I know it's kind of a scary idea, but saying like, I don't really have any experience in dating and romance. I couldn't even shake a man's hand until I got a divorce. But don't maybe put this in the first text. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just saying that's something that should come up once she like likes someone, right? But I also think like, I also think, Rain, that when a man asks a woman to coffee, I would say 99% of the time they're interested in them sexually. You think? Yeah. yeah. 99% of the time? You I, have coffee with your friends all the time. They're my friends. I already have a relationship. But, I mean, it would be a little odd if I walked up to Rain and was like, would you like to get coffee sometime? <laughs> <Don't you think? laughs> so are you on any dating apps or anything? What are you after, by the way? What do you want out of dating? So, I mean, I want to, I guess be in a relationship with someone um but you know i don't want it to get serious very fast because then there are just other things that would get super complicated um you know i have a kid and and you know just stuff like that but yeah just kind of be in a relationship you know you want like a sort of companion a, an an intimate traditional relationship but not as traditional as you're used to you, you don't you, Right. Is that, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. So like to me, like a relationship is like, I mean, the way my relationship happened, it was like we met twice and then it was all right. Now you get married. Oh, my God. So have you ever been in love? I, I, I don't. Not really. So maybe that's that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Just get in love. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like. <laughs> no, I mean, you have to be gentle on yourself, too, Rain. Like I, I, I have. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends and I have family that is in, in the position that you're in. And I have, I have people in my life that have been in these Hasidic sects and other religious sects that have, that have left. And like, you, you know, I, I also don't demonize like Hasidus and, and places like that because I understand the context that they come from. But you have to be gentle on yourself and realize that in, in, in a lot of ways, your upbringing has put you in, you are, how, how old are you? I'm 28. You're a 28-year-old woman. You're a mother. You're a divorcee. So in some ways, you're like a super adult. And in some ways, you're a completely underdeveloped like teenager who has absolutely no idea what you're doing in the world when it comes to romance. And you, you should be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's also part of like what scares me is like I don't know how to explain to someone who's been dating or like, you know, being in relationships for like 10 years that like or more than that and like say hey like you know because people my age have been in relationships and have been you know dating for for all these years and i'm like i don't know how to say that to someone like i, I think, yeah I, I think you need to like go out with people and see if you connect like you want a connection so like if you connect with somebody then maybe you might feel like telling them this but you know you can just kind of go out can't you I mean, how, how, how does she go out? How does she meet the guy in the first place? In a dating app. Yeah. I think, I'm just saying, I don't think she has to have the pressure to tell him her whole situation. I agree. You can just like be like, what's something else you're into besides, you know, your, the lore of your life, which I mean, we're all into, but like, you know, something outside of you, like, you know, if there's a certain type of movie or whatever, if you have, can find an interest in someone, you know, wants to go do something like that, I don't think you need to tell them. No, I, I'm with you. But I also think that that on, honesty 
at least once you start to go out with a person and you start to get to know them, that the the quicker they understand the reason that you are so inexperienced, the the probably the better. The more oxygen in your relationships, the better, because you're not going to be able to fool these people into thinking that you're like a savvy, you know, practitioner of the Kama Sutric lovemaking arts. They're going to be like this. How do you? Yeah. How, how are you a divorcee and have a a kid, but also? like seem like this is the first time you've ever been on a date because that's basically true right yeah have you been on any dates yet so i've been <laughs> on a couple they were super weird um there was one with <laughs> it almost doesn't sound real like we met on a dating gap and then he shows up um this indian guy who also has never been on a date before. <laughs> that's perfect for you. No. And then it's like, so I, that's what I thought at first. And then it just like, he got so scared. Like he kept on buying drinks and like kept on buying me drinks. And then all of a sudden he just up paid and left. Like he got so scared that like it was getting like, later and you know in the night and then that he would have to you know say something or do something and he just disappeared <laughs> that was your first date after so, divorce yeah yeah <laughs> you've, so, had a, you've had a pretty good <laughs> run of it i guess and what about the second one how'd that one go the second one was i was it, it didn't like work out it was you know we we met and we you know we had a conversation and it did it, it you know, it didn't really go anywhere. Let I me mean, ask. Let me ask most of this as a man. Do you think asking a girl on a dating app to get a coffee is that like an audition for a date? No, that is a date. That's, that's a, a date. To me, that's the, the the for someone in your position, Rain. The good part of dating apps is they take away the part that you're really struggling with. You've got other things that you're going to struggle with, and and likely you're going to struggle with them for the rest of your life. Like, there's no, there's no short. Unfortunately, there's no shortcut to like having had a normal childhood. You didn't get one of those, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> Uh, and so you got the life that you got and I'm sure it's a good life, but it's just not going to be a, a normal one specifically when it comes to like de- romantic development. But the dating app at least takes away the confusion. What are we doing here? Like that, that's something that you probably didn't have a lot of experience with, but from a person that was, d- did most of my dating before dating apps came around with a lot, a lot of times you would be interacting with a person. You go, does this person like me? Do they not like me? Are they interested in me? Are they not interested in me? At least yeah. with, a, with a dating app like the, the the terms are clear it's kind of like when you met your husband in the ballroom of that hotel or whatever or, and then <laughs> married him a week and a half later like the terms were clear on a dating app that's like everybody's there to find dates so if you aren't you know giving him a kiss by the third date it's probably not working out or whatever i don't know what, what you're comfortable with but you know what i'm saying like at least you know oh i'm here to see if there's romance involved in and, this and it sounds like you want to meet someone and it sounds like maybe you don't quite know what you want so maybe it's good to just like be adventurous and maybe just go on five dates and maybe then you might see like oh i liked that guy i liked that guy you know what this is like now that i've kind of thrown myself into this exactly and don't feel if if it comes out you should definitely if you feel like telling them your life story over coffee feel free i'm not advocating for that and by the way (laughs) well i'm just saying maybe she really connects with someone i don't hide it but i like yeah no I, i get it I mean, the thing is, like, when it comes to dating, it took me probably literally 10 years from the first time I made out with a girl, probably more, probably 15 years, until I knew what I wanted, 
out of relationships. I knew how to talk to women in, in a way that wasn't uncomfortable for them or for me. Even though I was flirtatious and good at flirting, I was also inconsiderate I didn't because I didn't understand the way my words had impact. I, uh, it just took a lot of experience for me to finally go, oh, here's how I am. This is what I'm into romantically. This is what I'm into sexually. This is what I'm into. So unfortunately... You're in a unique position in that you're, you've been married and already have a kid and you haven't learned any of those lessons. It's just going to take time. That's what I think. Yeah. All right. So that, that makes sense. And then I guess about the dating apps, like, what do you say to like actually have a conversation with someone instead of like just, hi, you know, how is your day? Like, what are things I can say? Like, how do you talk to a man? To start a, com- like, to start a conversation. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I know how to start a conversation. I know how to talk to people, but like specifically on a dating app. I don't I, I see that's okay. I, I think I've 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 gotten to the root of your problem. You think tell me if this is incorrect, Rain. You think that there's a hidden language out there that that people who were born into the secular world were privy to <laughs> that we like know like how you start a conversation with someone and if in order to say to them like I'm down to date and I'm I'm Randy and I want to have a romance but there isn't like everybody the more true to oneself everybody is on these on dating apps and in person the 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 better there's no like secret code you know what I would write you could send him a picture of your tits that would be a really clear uh, message <laughs> but I don't think you want to do that it does seem annoying if someone's like hey what's up what would you say Natasha I'd say can I help you can I help you? That's yeah. <laughs> then they can like, what do you want? What do you want? And then, and I don't think it's her job to be like trying to spark conversations with, Why you know, not? well, cause it's like she can, but if a guy comes into her inbox and says, Hey, it's not her responsibility to like spark up a conversation with him. Is it? Can't he say something to her? Sure. Or she could say something to him. I know. I'm just saying. Well, Natasha's operating uh, Rain at a very high, uh, very high dimension of flirtation, which is I'm too good for you. Come and get it if you want it. I don't recommend that for you. That's like that's really like trying to play a video game on its highest difficulty setting. I think you might do a little bit better with just being nice and being yourself. But I don't know. You could try Natasha's thing. Hey, what do you want? But that's just my instinct. Her, you have to go with your instinct. But she doesn't have instincts. All she has is Torah. <laughs> I think you should go on five. Oh, how how did the first date with the with the other the first guy go? No, oh, no, that was the first date was the Indian guy. No, but how how did it like how did it come about? Was he like, hey, what you did were, you talk? Yeah, yeah, that's a good how did question. you text? Did he ask you? Did he ask you out on a date? Um, yeah, yeah. So he like kind of like he kept them like he was like asking like I don't remember what it was, but like he he like sounded smart and funny and interesting and then you know so it was back and forth for a couple days and he's like do you want to meet up and i was like yeah sure so that's you know that's how it went moshe i think you need to give us a like a like an opening phrase what do you mean for her to write to a man on a yeah you're good at that what do you okay let me ask you this when you see someone online what do you usually what are you attracted to usually when you see someone on these sites what kind of guys are you do you do you see that you like um different guys like yeah like you said like like you said earlier, like I don't know specifically, like I don't have a type, I guess. Okay. I think your opening <laughs> you phrase know? I think your opening phrase is I've been crippled by Hasidic Judaism. Do you wanna watch Netflix and chill? <laughs> no. Here's what I think. This is my this is what I want from you, Rain. Are you ready for this challenge? You ready for the Rain challenge? 
In the next month, go out on two dates. Okay. And then will you call us again and we can check in on you? Sure. Is that like I'm saying it's now, what is it? December 17th. What's that? Oh, the 13th today. So by January 13th, we're going to set a call. I'm going to have my producer email you. And you're going to go on two dates with two people that you contact on a dating site. You you DM them. Yeah, you better start scrolling. Start your scrolling. Swipe right. And go on two dates. And then check in with us and tell us how they both went. All right, great. Is that a deal? I'll do that. From yeah, one, deal. From one square chassid to the next, we have a plan. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Rain. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. make we're gonna make your life complete. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We'll talk to you in January. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I was really impressed with her because that's got to be hard to to leave a husband and a, have a, like she probably has like an eight year old or something. It's very difficult. And if she got married when she was really young. And you're you are literally like I was saying, like a teenager when it comes to like all of the parts of the world that are experiential only Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people like this i have a phrase i call it adult uh, i call it hasidic onset social retardation (laughs) like it's like all of them like even the coolest savviest ex-chassid has these social issues because what people don't understand is like especially square like these are this is a a woman that probably never spoke to people outside of her little village mm. or if she did it was like another little village like the people in square this is my family it was so weird that she didn't care <laughs> so bizarre to me i mean it's literally like a person was like oh i'm from a small fishing village in nepal and I'm like what i'm from that village i'm like okay anyway how do i talk to guys on bumble but but like the people from Square in my family, they came to my bar mitzvah and they came to like my stepsister's wedding. And these were ultra, ultra orthodox um, uh, wedding halls and bar mitzvah halls. The caterers were like, I mean, seriously, ultra, ultra Hasidic orthodox, all the, as much as you can get, right? The Square people wouldn't eat the food. They brought their own food to the wedding. That's rude. Oh, and it's, gross. It's beyond. They have like Tupperwares in their purse. Yeah, I think they would bring like a hermetically sealed, like square only, kosher. Like they're so hardcore. Like I don't think you uh, understand, even you, Natasha, who knows me better than anybody else, how unbelievably hardcore and extreme some of the people in my family were. I remember being at my father's shiva when my father passed away, and they were doing this like prayer for my father. You do this prayer three times a day for the soul of the departed. And I was just looking around and I was like, if I could take video footage of the physical situation I'm in and send it home to my friends, no one would be able to believe this. Well, you've come a long way and I would just like to say I'm very proud of you for letting me get a wreath this Christmas. <laughs> I did let you get a wreath. <laughs> After our conversation about Christmas trees, I told Natasha, I felt a little guilty. I was like, look, any, because you wanted to get garlands, right? I got them. Pine garlands. And I was boughs like, boughs of holly. Boughs of, they're not holly though, are they? No, there's just boughs of evergreen. Boughs of green. Yes, and I was garland. like, I was like any winter, winter-esque jingle bell I don't want jingle bells. I just like the smell of the trees inside. Snowman-y, anything you want. I just don't want a Christmas tree Christmas carols or Santa Claus. What about stockings? I don't want those. Stockings, <laughs> I think, maybe would be a bridge too far. That's a bridge too far. I agree. <laughs> but so this poor girl, Rain, like, you know, they come out and they've they've never they've they they speak Yiddish as a first language. They learn they don't learn English until they become like thirteen. 
they only speak Yiddish. Um, and they only know each other. The women don't drive in that community. I mean, that's it's so hardcore. Um, and then imagine leaving that life and then leaving it all behind. Everyone you've ever known, every family member is no longer talking to you. I don't know that that's true for her. But, uh, but she sounds good now. She does sound good. I'm just saying... I understand that it sounds like a hard life. It's not even that it's hard. It's like specifically when it comes to, like I said, things that you must have experience to know to be able to be good at, which dating is the ultimate example of that. You have to date a bunch of times to get good at it mm-hmm. or fall in love early and get married and then get good at being married. But she didn't get either of those things. She got to get married to someone she barely knew and now is a 28-year-old woman that is figuring out how to be a romantic woman in New York City. Oh, she lives in New York? Yeah. Oh, good. There's plenty of opportunities there. Oh, I'm excited for her next call. I am too. Should we listen to a secret? Hell yeah. This is like a secret. My best friend and I used to see how many dick pics we could get guys to send us just so we could compare them with each other and then later make fun of them, which... I really miss now that both of us are married, but that's my secret, and I feel like it's kind of funny, but I don't know. Bye. My favorite part of that is luring a guy to send a dick pic, just, just with no intention of really wanting it, other just than so to can roast his dick. <laughs> How do you even do that? I, I never really got dick pics. You never got a dick pic? No. I've sent a few, and I'm like, I, I, I don't like the idea that there's some dick pickery of me out there. Do, you, do people request it? Is that usually, or is it like unsolicited? No, dicks? yeah, I would. I've never sent an unsolicited dick pic. No, like is a girl like a, what's up, and then you send the dick, or is she like, of, can I have a pic of your dick? It's more. She says, can I have a pic of your dick? And she and she says, hickory dickory dock. She talks in rhyme mostly. She went to Waldorf. Um, no, it's it's usually a situation where you're like going back and forth, text flirting with someone, you know, and it's getting like a little bit hornier. And you're saying hotter and hotter things. And then one will say, like, usually the man, I would say, would say, like, let me see a picture of you. And then you get a picture from the girl. And then you say, give me another one. And then she'll send them a little more. And you go, can I see your tits or whatever? I, by the way, I've, I've had the opportunity uh, uh, to see, because Facebook saves all these chat logs. And I've seen some things that I used to think were flirtatious interactions as an adult from, and- like, 20 years ago or whatever. And I'm like, I can't believe I thought this was like flirting. It was just like, men are so gross. Like, give me an example. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I would have thought I was Can like I being fuck you? Ca- a Casanova. And it would just be like so so transparent and like like clumsy. Whatever. So you go back and forth. And eventually, this is my experience. Eventually, the woman will say, okay, I've sent you like 72 pictures. You got to send me one of you. Oh, because women's bodies are more attractive. I so don't. Bu- like, I've never bought that. I've never liked that idea. Well, it's true. That's not an objective truth. No one's roasting pictures of tits. Uh, of course they are. <laughs> you think? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Look at these. Look at these. Look at these over here. Look all, at these. I think all boobs are kind of beautiful. Okay. Dicks are kind of gross. I hate this idea that people do. It's, I've always hated it. That's because you have a dick. But I also like I like breasts. I'm not like, I think tits are ugly. They're fucking gross, dude. Get the tits away Everybody from me. Everybody likes tits. Everybody likes tits. That's the that's the sword you're gonna fall on. Everybody likes tits. There's a lot of ugly tits out there, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want me to roast a couple of them right now? 
Sure. Look at this one, all fucking lopsided, looking like looking like a looking like a motherfucking uh, a two different weight bowling balls over here. Oh, look at this one. This is looking like a looking like a McDo- two McDonald's straws coming out of her chest. I bet you any woman or anyone with boobs could take a flattering picture of of their tits, but you can never take a flattering picture of a penis. Uh, have you never Doesn't, seen the works oh, of Robert Maplethorpe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe Robert Maplethorpe. Yeah, Robert Maplethorpe <laughs> but I'm saying. and me on Facebook chat with my legs uh, propped over the monitor of the computer, <laughs> oh. trying to click on photo booth. Did you put what? What um, did did you give it a um, like Amaru or Rise like, oh, like a, some, filter? a filter? <laughs> yeah, there's one filter. It's called Larger. <laughs> I put it through the Larger filter. Uh, my makeup person who works with me sometimes on this show I'm doing, she always retouches the pictures like once she made my boobs bigger she has like all these apps and then she made my eye eyeballs really white she made your boobs bigger yeah i don't what's know. her email <laughs> do, do you know i'm just saying was? you can like doctor photos now but no matter what you did to a dick pic it was so you think ugly. dicks are uh, are gross no i don't think they're maybe gross. i'm not going to show you mine for a while <laughs> I hate. I've always hated that idea that people are like, women are aesthetically. It's objectively obvious that women's bodies are hot and men's are gross. It's like balls. What even are those? They're just like dangling there, one all a little lower than the other one. But women, they've got curves. They're soft. Everybody likes. It's just like, what are you talking about? Human beings are pretty and ugly and everything in between. And dicks are nice, and pussies are nice, and tits are nice, and chests are nice, and some are ugly, and some are small, and some are gross. I mean, there's a lot of gross pussies out there. I hate to break it to you. No, she. You're very evolved. What can I say? Some roast beef looking ass. Yeah, very evolved. Okay, let's do another secret. Hey, Natasha and Moshe. This is a secret and dating advice kind of question. I was born in an African country and adopted by white people in America. And But before I was adopted, I was a, I was a child soldier in the Sudan and basically I'm dating this girl recently and she wants to know a lot about me and asking a lot of questions about my past and all that. This is something I've been completely and utterly ashamed of in my past and I don't know how to deal with this secret as well as I don't know how to deal with letting this girl I've been seeing know about this past. I've been seeing her for about like half a year. I don't, I don't know when that, when the appropriate time to tell somebody like somebody that kind of information is. Uh, by the way, I'm a little drunk if I'm slurring or inarticulate. Thank you. Bye. Oh, that's heavy. So when he was a child soldier, what does that imply? Well, I mean, I know what it, I mean, does it imply that he's killed people? It could very well imply that. I've I, I read, read a really uh, intense, unbelievable. Remember when we went to Mexico, I was reading that book about that Sudanese child soldier. Mm-hmm. I need to find the name of it because it's a, it was, can you look that up, Laura? Then it's a Sudan child soldier memoir. It'll be the, 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 the first one. It's called A Long Way Home. That's right. By. Oh, A Long Way Gone, right, by Ishmael Bea. And it was one of the most intense memoirs I ever read. And I don't know if this kid's situation is the same as this author, but I would assume it's similar, which is that, like, they they were living sort of normal lives, and then all of a sudden the rebels would come into their village and 
and would just slaughter people and then they would take the kids and recruit them and then you know the kids would either join they would have three options join the militia uh and become child soldiers uh run or die and so the the character in this not character the person who wrote this book was like a lot of the book was him and his friends running but everywhere you're running you're running into another militia or into the military of the country and you would think because we're naive in this country like oh once you get to the military you're safe the military will help me but the military would would do the exact same thing they would recruit these kids and then it would get worse because first of all you've already seen your family killed in front of you and so you're traumatized and fucked up and then the the once you got captured and recruited into one of these militias at the at the at gunpoint they would string you out on drugs literally give you drugs and then they would send you into a village where you became oh the very thing that you were running from so i assume that this guy calling in is in a similar situation and i can only imagine but the truth is like now that you're in a, in a relationship with someone it's been six months it, you know the person who you are going to be in a longer term relationship with is going to be okay with this so i think it's a good or maybe, test to you have to tell them right i you mean and it, probably it, soon you mean if the relationship is to thrive it will only be with a person that can accept your yes, past yes i so think that that's true good to put it out there because that's and not when you're drunk and not when you're emotional and you know just right. like just say it and then see how they respond and you know they might be like well morally i just cannot accept that you were uh you know held captive and drugged and made to carry guns but you know people might have it, it might draw you closer to the person yeah and i i think that's exactly Very right compelling but it's also like you know you've it, the fact that you're a you know member of society and healthy now it shows how strong you are because a lot of people aren't as lucky as you yeah the, i mean it's hard for me to say because like my trauma when i compare it to I, I don't know this person that called obviously but my trauma when i compare it to like a child soldier seems like laughable but i'll just say it and maybe it's not applicable maybe it's naive but like in in a way the trauma and tribulation of your past can can turn into a kind of a, a gift and not not a justifiable gift but but a gift nonetheless sometimes gifts are like super bittersweet you know and it's like for me my fucked up past all of the things that i went through i like i I've used all of the lessons I've learned in recovering from that into becoming the person that I am. And I would imagine that that's true for this kid too, or, or will be, or could be eventually. Again, I, I understand like comparing my past to this guy, the guy's past is pretty ridiculous. But this is the other thing I was thinking about listening to him. Um, it might be so big and scary and terrifying and powerful that he... And then, and then add to that the pressure of, of admitting this to a person that you love or are falling in love with. That can feel overwhelming. So the process of telling the secret, getting practice with telling the secret so that it's not a secret anymore, you know? Like in AA, they used to say you're as sick as your secrets, you know? I realize how much, I, how much AA has influenced me when I do this podcast because I'm constantly referencing it. But like maybe... It has a lot of good um, tips. Oh, for sure. But maybe a good idea would be, if you're not quite ready to tell this girl, to find a priest or an imam or a therapist 
or uh, or just somebody that you trust that isn't necessarily intimately connected to you, where you can get into the the practice of saying out loud, "Here's who I am. Here's what I've done. This is who I am now," and get some of the pressure because sometimes the secret itself. You know, the, the process of keeping the secret becomes almost as powerful as the secret itself, you know? And you're like, oh, I can't admit this. This this thing that is, if I tell anyone this thing, then I will become this, you know, they'll know the demon I am. But it's like once you get some of the practice of saying the words to another human being. So that would be my suggestion. Find somebody safe that you can tell this stuff to to get used to telling it. And then what what you said, Natasha, tell tell the person that you love, not when you're drunk, not when you're upset. But when you're ready to admit the truth of who you are. And if none of that works, we've got a really delightful lady named Rain that will accept you no matter who you are. Because <laughs> she also has a few secrets. Okay, let's take one more. Hi, um, Dosha and Natasha. Um, so I was dating this guy for a little bit over a year. And he cheated on me with around six women. And I didn't know till the end. And we broke up and it was really messy and it was terrible. And he was super mean. Um... So around like six months later, I found his profile on Tinder and I screenshot it and sent it to my entire sorority and everybody reported it and got him banned on Tinder for life. And um, I guess my secret is I don't feel bad about it. Wait, how how did they get him banned from a screenshot? And from like, for what? For cheating? Are you not allowed to be on Tinder if you have had infidelity in your past? I wonder what they well, reported Well, maybe she for. made some lies. I like this. Or or maybe all she had every single person report him for misuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she had her mob, you know, Hell act yeah. on her behalf. This is the first time I've heard a story about uh, collective action at a sorority where I was like... <laughs> Something really cool happened at the end of it. <laughs> but also, he's banned from Tinder. I mean, whatever. I know. T- Aren't there like a million dating apps? I know. You got to get your shit together. Get the Sigma Pi <laughs> Alpha girls together and find the rest of his profiles. Because you know right now he's on Bumble just killing it. Fucking six girls at the same time. That That's very hurtful. Of her? No, I mean that he cheated on her with six girls oh, behind her back. It'd be cool. I would love it if your angle on that was like, I can't believe she did that to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six girls. That's pretty insane. Yeah, I, I think justice has been done. Yeah, and and I like that she doesn't feel bad about it because that's that's a quality. That is. <laughs> Being able to hurt someone and take revenge without feeling any remorse. Yeah, or feeling guilt or even like guilt that something bad would happen to you because you did something bad and maybe you're a bad person. She's like, "Nope, I I struggled. It was painful and now she feels better." I love it. Guilt is useless. I always say that. It it has no function. Guilt has true? no function. I don't believe it has function. No. Hmm. I think acknowledging what you've done being real with yourself. But if I feel really guilty about something, it makes me do something. Is that true? Sometimes. I find myself help help th- help someone or you know drive someone to do something or I don't know something mm-hmm. I don't want to do. I just find guilt and jealousy to be two useless emotions. They don't they don't help. You're probably right. You're probably right. Now we're going to call Brittany in New Jersey. Hello. Hi, Brittany. Hey. Brittany. It's Natasha and Moshe. What's up? How's it going on this Friday night? You know, it's just midnight over here in New Jersey. Well, thank you for taking our call so late. No problem. What's happening? Why'd you you contact us? I know that you guys usually take calls about, like, relationship advice. (laughs) Yes. My advice has to do with friendship. I love it. 
(laughs) more specifically, not wanting to be friends with people that are very intertwined with our family. Um, So we are a military family and we have another military family that is very close with us. Our oldest sons are best friends. They live right around the corner from us. I can literally see their house from our front porch. Um, and they, we have two kids and they have three kids and we hate their middle child. <laughs> <laughs> and they live right next door. Well, they live like, like one street. There's like one row of houses between us. And like, so their house is like a rock's distance away from us. The rocks. Throw. So what's this middle child like? I just want to say though, before you tell us, like I, w- I thought the military were supposed to be the best of us. I like that you guys are just petty assholes like the rest oh of us. Oh, my God. Listen, there are assholes in every fucking walk of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and love this. And this six-year-old takes the cake. Wait, he's six? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to be like 14, like, fuck you, mom. I'm not joining no. the Navy. But this is a no. six-year-old. This kid has been a terror since he was an infant. I watched him bite another child at the age of one on the cheek so hard that he drew blood whoa crazy okay so is he friends with your kids so we so they have three and we have uh two and so our my oldest son is nine and their oldest son is eight she's basically everyone's friends friends except that middle child right and you want it so like and they you, have a two-year-old, and we have a two-year-old, and then there's the middle one that's the the jerk, <laughs> the cannibal. And wait, let me ask you this: What is your right. what do your friends think of the middle child? Have they ever confided in you that they wish they didn't have him or something? <laughs> oh yeah, he is definitely like the black sheep of that family. Like I think, I mean, clearly they love him because he's their child, but they they definitely complain about him more but they kind of are just like oh yeah that's just him that's just how he is they kind of like brush it off so are you asking are you basically saying that you want to cut this entire family out of your life because of the uh the six-year-old child that that likes to eat cheeks it has gotten to the point where every time we go over there and then we come home my husband and i are just complaining about the things that we watch that six-year-old do or I mean, we also, like, don't really agree with the way that they parent all of their children. Sure. Here's what you need to do is just don't hang out with them as much. I was going right. to say develop a little bit of compassion for this I kid. I think that, too. I think well, com- I would have compassion for the parents, too. Right. They're probably, I mean, it's probably easy for you guys to be good parents because you don't have a cannibal cheek-eating six-year-old, you know, bad seed <laughs> that's ruining your entire life. That is so true. Our children are freaking angels, but (laughs) it just gets a little more in depth because so we all lived on the same military base like four years ago. Oh, he lives on a military base. Yeah, we we live on a military. Well, at least he's got access to weaponry. That's nice to hear. (laughs) Yeah, you never know what's in our closet. (laughs) Well, I'm not worried about your closet. It's your neighbor's closet that I'm concerned with. The six-year-old probably's got some crazy stuff too. So you guys lived so, on a military base. Yeah. So we lived we lived together down the street, and that's how we became friends like five years ago. And then we moved away, and then they moved away, and then we moved back to the same military base um, because that's how it is. We move every three years, so we happen to come back, and then they 
had the option of also coming back here. So they are always telling us like we're the reason that they moved back. Oh Jesus. We are we are like family to them and we are like the only good thing they have cuz they're not close with their real family so like we're their family. So it's not do so you, simple. To- do you like these people? It sounds like you don't really like the people. The the couple. I mean <laughs> When you're in the military, you kind of make friends with people that maybe you wouldn't necessarily be friends with. Because I would have, you know, nobody to hang out with if I didn't kind of compromise. And and I'm sure someday you guys will learn that you have to kind of become friends with your kids' parents oh, no, in order for your kids to hang out. No, we're selfish. We're, we'll never do anything <laughs> like that. But I, I hear what you're saying. I, I I've been in situations where socially it's kind of like... You, you're kind of expected to have people in your life that are in a, in a, in a more difficult situation than you, and, and it's the right thing to do. A lot of churches have that vibe. A lot AA, right. AA had that vibe, and I just now I'm finding out that the military has that vibe too. And it's, yeah. I understand that feeling, and it, it can be very draining when you feel like a relationship in your life is primarily you being the, like, strong together counselor and them being the people that you have to help because that's not really what a friendship is per se right that's more of a mentor, 100%. a mentor situation that's difficult and i think like rather this is my opinion it seems to me that like rather than you finding a way to um to take them out of your life you guys should just get busy with your own lives i mean it's I, I, <laughs> and see them less yeah it's it's never a situation where i feel like it's it's important to say we're gonna just be we're going to be taking a little bit of space from you guys, specifically because of, you know, because of little Owen or whatever his name is. And, like, and you can also think of something that you love to do with your family, just the four of you, and maybe start doing that more so that, you know, you don't have to spend a Tuesday night over at their house drinking beers or whatever people do in your neighborhood. Exactly. I don't that's know. exactly all we do. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like doing good deeds is often very annoying. And so yeah. like like that's the thing no one tells you is like being charitable or being it really kind. Is it's not like it doesn't it's not easy. It's hard work. It's worth it, but it's like it's never it's always going to inconvenience you. So my gut instinct is telling me just 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 like the sacrifices your family made for this beautiful nation, <laughs> you guys should make a couple of sacrifices for this less than beautiful 6-year-old child, but also you know, just like a fort is, uh, just like a fort has high walls <laughs> and a, a strong defenses, your <laughs> household should have such defenses to make sure that the soldiers on the inside mm-hmm. of your fort are are fed, happy, and sane. Because there's no point in giving so much that you don't have anything left. And you don't want your kids well, hanging around that terrible kid all the time. <laughs> there's that no, too. but I do, I do have the compassion for this kid because I think he does just need a little more attention. And that goes back to like me not necessarily agreeing with their parenting style. When I do go over there, I, I do love that child. And... Oh, no, that Make love up. is coming through loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're like, are there any military bases in Fiji? Are there any military bases in Kosovo? Anywhere you yeah. want to send us. We'll go to Fallujah. Trying to go to Germany. <laughs> I get what I you're do saying. Make a point, I make a point to spend time with him because I think that he tends to act out when his parents are not paying attention to him, which seems to be all the time. I hope it's not like that when I'm not there. 
But when we are there, um, my husband and I kind of take turns, like, like kind of like watching all the children, because if we didn't do it, none of them would do it. And then the kids would be like punching each other and the two year old would be eating a Lego. Like, well, I can just tell this is my my instinct is telling me that you guys are good people, even though you're getting increasingly annoyed. And what you need to do rather than cut these people out of your life is is recalibrate the percentage of these people in your life. You can still be a force of good and kindness and compassion to them without doing it so much that you start to go crazy because eventually you'll get so resentful towards these people that you won't even be a a positive influence on them either. You'll just be an asshole. They'll be an asshole. Everybody will be an asshole. And it it makes you and your husband talk about your annoyance about hanging out with them. That's that's not contributing to the positive nature of your own relationship. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no worse thing for a military family to be doing than spending an evening talking shit about a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so you I know, it to... is winter in Jersey and it's starting to rain a lot, so we don't have to go outside as oh, much. As, oh, perfect. As, so. I, and, and if it gets bad enough, just request a, a, that three-year transfer. Go to a, like an active war zone or something like that. Someplace they really won't Ooh. follow you. Just be like, listen, Fallujah's bad, but Owen, Owen's worse. We're, we're we're on our way to Syria. Have fun, you guys. Um, we actually came from Hawaii to New Jersey, so basically we're in hell right now. A classic move. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for your service and thanks for calling. Oh, thanks, guys. So nice to talk to you. Nice talking to you too. Bye. Tell that little boy. Hey, and here's the other bit of good news. He's in a really good situation to finally get some discipline if he follows in the family footsteps. He'll be on a uh, I don't know a tank soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. America. <laughs> USA. You're supposed to say that sincerely. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you too. Bye bye. Well, that was that was honestly there was a I had some emotions during this episode. Well, when Rain said she was from New Square, I chills went up my spine. She I, did not care that you were. They did not go up her spine. No, no nothing went up her spine. <laughs> And then that call from that Sudanese kid, I, um, you know, that was really heavy. And I really like, I don't know. I've never wanted to give somebody who called in a hug more, but I'm sure he's tired of like white people offering him hugs. <laughs> Definitely I, tell, tell her. I send, I send him, him my love. I send Rain my love. And uh, Owen, the little boy, the little boy demon that's going to do a mass shooting someday. And Muffy the, from Delta Sigma Pi. And my old Muff, I send her my love. And you know who else I send my love to? Who, Mosh? You, Tosh, because I love you. I love you, too.